today on Abounding Grace. Listen, are you overwhelmed by resentment and bitterness? Do you think your life is over? That it's impossible to rebound from this painful situation? I can scan the room today and I don't have their permission, so I won't point them out, but I can see quite a few people that have returned from the edge. And we rejoice. I recognize the power of God to return from the edge. Not only does God forgive you, but he also restores you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You God forgives and He restores. Many of us have seen that played out in our lives, but He also calls us to be forgiving people. If we refuse to go there, we'll be stuck in a prison of misery. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 25 and uncover a beautiful picture of forgiveness in the release of Jehoiakim from prison. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with The Freedom Forgiveness Gives. There are six things that we learn about forgiveness. Really, you could say 12 things because we learn the item when it comes to the king releasing King Jehoiachin and we learn the truth of that release people to people. But also in this, we learn of a greater king. We learn of the king of kings who has descended into our prison of desperation and darkness when we were lost and without any hope, wandering around blinded to our own sin, Without life, the king of kings, we learn, he's a greater than this old king from Babylon. And he does a thorough work of forgiveness and deliverance. And so notice with me, if you're taking notes, the first thing we learn is, number one, Jehoiachin was brought out. Mark those were brought out. He was brought out by the king. Notice with me verse 31. It says that in the, it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, the twelfth month on the twenty-fifth day, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of reign, lifted up his head and brought him out of prison. He brought him out. The king didn't send a messenger. He didn't send a servant. He didn't have the prison guards release him. He chose to do it himself, which is interesting to me. He was in captivity himself. He's elevated to the throne after his dad's death. He is, for all intents and purposes, the leader of the known world at the time. And he takes it upon himself to go down into the very prison that he was just released from and releases King Jehoiachin. That's what God has done for us. The creator of the universe has himself forgiven us and set us free. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a pastor or a priest. God himself came down and delivered you from your prison of sin and darkness. Like God is ready to forgive all the rotten things we've ever done, all the horrible words, all the sins that have been buried. They've all been buried, washed away, blotted out, and forgiven by Jesus Christ. He came himself. He set aside his divine prerogatives and came to release us from our sin. Isn't that what he said in John chapter 8 verse 36? If the Son sets you free, 
you're free indeed. That's a done deal. There's nobody to second guess it. Nobody to come and say, hey, everybody might wonder what happened, but the king has the authority and he went and took care of it himself. I love that. Number two, I find that Jehoiachin was comforted by the king. Notice verse 32. He was comforted by the king. It says that he spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat. You know, the, the church of Jesus Christ, it could use some more kindness. I know the world can. I understand that. But you know the church, us, we could be kinder and gentler with one another. We could cut each other some more slack, especially the first moment out of captivity. Kindness was shown. I'm sure 37 years of imprisonment left Jehoiachin discouraged and depressed and without hope. And who knows at what point in those 37 years he just gave up and just resigned himself to this life. And it was the king of Babylon that came to encourage him and give him hope. And you know, in the same way, God comes to us personally and lifts up our heads and gives us hope. We're forgiven and we're set free and we're even surrounded with people. Maybe we don't have enough confidence for ourselves. Maybe we're just in a weakened state, and yet we're surrounded with people that are walking a little, you know, as we learn, we're in this race of life, and we're running this race together. And yeah, maybe we're not at the, at the head, and maybe we're not winning the race, but we're surrounded with so many people that this guy overcame that, and this guy overcame that, and you're just filled with a room of overcomers. Not a room filled with hypercritical judgment and hypercritical finger-pointing, but freedom. Oh, it's not that we don't speak about the difficulties. It's not that we don't confront the sin. Of course we do. Kindly and gently. Could you turn over, hold your place in Jeremiah. Would you just go to Galatians with me for a moment? In Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, we see a New Testament illustration of exactly what's happening here as the king has his head lifted. And I pray that you would take this to heart and pray over it in your own life and you just pray that you can become better at it. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of, what does your Bible say? Let's say it out loud. In a spirit of gentleness. And then consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Haven't you found it to be true that a heavy burden becomes half as heavy when someone helps you? When someone comes along to help carry the load. Oh, it says, bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks, verse 3, himself to be something, this is where pride comes in, then he's nothing. That's where humility comes in. He deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, because everyone's going to bear his own load. Brethren, sistren, if a man is overtaken, if a woman is overtaken in any trespass, you know I made up sistren, you know that's not a word, right? I want to include the ladies, brothers and sisters, men and women, overtaken in any trespass. You really, this is one of the gauges of you know, we like to say we're spiritual. We kind of live in a world that says we're all spiritual. You want to know if you're spiritual? How do you respond when you see a brother or sister overtaken in a trespass? Because if you're spiritual, you're going to want to rush in and restore a brother. That word restore is actually a Greek word from the medical community that speaks of, of putting together a broken bone. 
that when a bone is fractured, you reset that bone. And I've heard it said that once a bone is set after a break, it never breaks in the same place again. Perhaps it does in, a, in an exception place, but it becomes stronger. Imagine that, as we've learned so many times in our lives, that the actual worst time in our lives becomes the best time in the hands of the Lord. It takes some time for sure, but in our worst of place, how we would ever conceive that God would bring anything good out of this, we know it to be true because God restores and rebuilds and he helps. God lifts up our heads and God gives us hope as we're forgiven and we're set free. There's no longer a reason to hang our heads and condemn ourselves because of the freedom. And please, church, never underestimate the power of a kind word or an encouraging text or a helpful note or a quick email or a phone call or a knock on the door. All of those are available depending on the relationship that you have, but never underestimate. You're driving to work one morning, listening to a song, something prompts your mind, and a person comes into your mind. When you get to a safe place, act on it. Maybe it was a devotional. You're in your devotions. You're reading the Bible, and, and a scripture pops out, and it just sticks to your mind, and you don't quite understand because it doesn't really relate to anything in your life, but it really stuck out. It kind of almost like we say jumped off the page. Well, as you're meditating on that scripture, I assure you God will bring a purpose to it. And perhaps that purpose might be a person you haven't seen around in a while, an empty chair perhaps. Or it might be a relative, or it might be a number of different people that cross your paths. Don't underestimate the power of kindness and encouragement. Now, I really don't have to convince you of that, do I? Because you have experienced personally the power of a kind word. Just as much as we've experienced the power of a, a word that wasn't fitly spoken. You're like, bro, why'd you say that? That's our inside voice. Our outside voice is, thank you. Haven't we all been on the other side of a really hard word? A really misplaced word? Well, at the same time, we've been at the other side of kindness. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, there's fruit that flows through our lives that there's wisdom from above is willing to yield and kindness. See, the king didn't release Jehoiachin and then lay on some heavy trip or some guilt or a series of accusing questions. He comforted him. Psalm 3 verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Number one, he was brought out. Number two, he was comforted. Number three, Jehoiachin was exalted. Look at verse 32 again. He was exalted. Not only did he speak kindly to him, but notice he gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. Not only did the king speak kindly to him after releasing him, but he also restored his life to what it had been before the enemy ripped him off. And isn't that the work of God? God wants to restore what the enemy has stolen from you. He wants to bring you back and place your feet on a solid rock and he wants you to walk forward to restore the things because you know, just as I've shared with you before, just like the psalmist said, my feet almost slipped, my feet almost slipped. And really what that's speaking of is it was almost over. It was, I was that close. I almost didn't come back. And yet he did come back much stronger. It wasn't a series of almost slip, almost slip, almost slip, almost slip. The psalmist writes at one time and then David begins to extol the power of God 
to bring him off the edge. We, we use that phrase from time to time, don't we? We'll actually use that vernacular where somebody's in great crisis and we'll say something like, we had the privilege of talking them off the edge. And it really does speak that they're at the end of their rope. They're as far as they possibly, there, there really isn't more, there, there isn't anything more for them. This is often the place of suicidal thoughts. It's often the place of deep hopelessness. It's often the place, real or imagined, it doesn't really matter because the person that's feeling it, it's 100% real to them. And so we need to meet people where they're at and speak to what they're, ta- what they're talking about. We, the, the, some, of the, some of the worst advice in a person's crisis is, oh, you shouldn't be feeling that. Why are you feeling that? Don't you say, no, no, no. You speak to them in their pain. You go down into the pit with them and you help escort them out. And you remind them of the power of God and the hope of God. You comfort them. You speak kindly. You lift up their head. And you point them in the right direction so that God can begin to work in their lives. And now your testimony can be, my feet almost slipped. But God was faithful. Because we're just human, dealing with human things. I mean, even if we didn't deal with our own sin, let's just say we never committed a sin ever again in our lives, which is not going to happen until we see Jesus face to face. But let's just pretend for a moment we deal with everyone else's sin. The consequences of this painful world. And besides, a majority of the world really live in opposition to God. They hate God. They have no, moral, no morality about them. They, they have nothing to control them but their own thoughts and minds. Their own greed and selfishness. Listen, are you overwhelmed by resentment and bitterness? Do you think your life is over? That it's impossible to rebound? from this painful situation. I can scan the room today and I don't have their permission, so I won't point them out, but I can see quite a few people that have returned from the edge. And we rejoice. I recognize the power of God to return from the edge. Not only does God forgive you, but he also restores you. That's why forgiveness becomes so overwhelming and breathtaking. He forgives us and restores our life. Isn't that what we learned? Most of us memorize Psalm 23. Even as unbelievers, we memorize Psalm 23. And remember what it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And this is a phrase we almost always read over, like just just kind of read it because we memorized it. But the Bible says that our good shepherd restores our soul. It's right there in the Hebrew Scriptures. He restores our soul. Well, number four, we learn in this forgiveness and release is that Jehoiachin was clothed by the king. He was clothed. He was given new clothing. Not only was he brought out, not only was he comforted, not only was he exalted, but he was given new clothes. In verse 33, it says, So Jehoiachin changed from his prison garments, and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. He's released out of prison. He's encouraged. He gave him a throne and he put on him a royal robe. I mean, this is a guy 37 years in prison. He was a, he was a king uh, that was known as the enemy of Babylon. And what does he get? Royal robe. To think of the great work of God in our lives. So he restores our nature. He restores our integrity. He restores our character. And he sees us in Christ. He sees us with the robes, there's a phrase that we use, the robes of righteousness. We don't come to him with our own beggarly, weak garments trying to cover ourselves. 
Remember Jesus shared that parable about the wedding and they didn't have the right garments. They needed to be given garments by the king, by the groom. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are robed with the garments. You don't have prison garments on anymore. There aren't shackles on your arms any longer. The Bible speaks of God taking away the garment of sadness and giving us the garment of praise. (laughs) It says in Isaiah 61 verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Number five, Jehoiachin was favored by the king. He was favored by the king because it says that he ate bread regularly, verse 33, before the king all the days of his life. That basically means that he ate like a king. He ate like a king the rest of his life. No longer the bread of prison. Now he has the bread of a king. That fast, instantly. The king did not abandon Jehoiachin. In fact, by his invitation to eat at his table, he wanted him to know that they would be friends forever. And when God forgives us, He draws us to himself in relationship. You see, with God, by faith in Jesus Christ, this is not a religious experience whereby the people on the stage do all the work for us and the pastor takes care of everything you need, that that you get that sense always in religion. You can never approach God. You're never good enough. You'll never make it. Just work really hard and give a lot and go to the priest and go through the motions, and then just maybe you'll find out after you die. That's religion. Religion has the idea of placing a burden on you, taking you, putting putting a barrier between you and God. But that is not what God teaches. God, he comes to you personally. And he invites you to his table continually so that you enjoy what the king enjoys. And he places you there. You don't take it upon yourself. You recognize the the weak and beggarly condition of your life. And you say, come on, Ed, what are you talking about? Well, listen, you'll never experience this relationship with Jesus Christ until you understand how far you are from him. The Bible says, and God tells us, that we've been separated from him, that there is no connection between man and God, that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's perfection. Or another way of saying that is none of us are perfect. We kind of make allowances and excuses that none of us are perfect, but that's a serious condition to acknowledge. If you acknowledge today that you're not perfect, then what you're saying in God's language is, is that I've sinned against you, God. I failed to live up to your standard. I failed to live the way you want me to live. God is our creator, and he created us in his image. The purpose of his creation is that our lives might bring great honor to God. That's why we're alive. We're alive on the earth to make God manifest or to make God known to those around us. That's why we're here. That our, our lives, once being lived for ourselves, you know, just really bringing damage to people's lives, including our own. Because, you know, we live in a culture that says, do whatever you want, do whatever, whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. That's the big thought, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Unfortunately, those that made up that, that system of philosophy forgot to include hurting yourself by your actions. Disintegrating your soul 
let alone when you hurt yourself. You know, I can think of one episode in my life as we were uh, talking about, I can remember, I can remember going to jail and being thrown in jail and being violently beat up in custody. So much so that they called my dad to pick me up. So you need to come and get your son. He got hurt. They didn't tell him the extent of how much I got hurt. And you have to understand my dad. My dad's in the presence of the Lord. But he wasn't a man of much emotion. He wasn't a man of much uh, expression. He was just an even guy, just going through life, reliable, loved his family, faithful provider, not a man of great highs, definitely not a man of great lows. And so we didn't see him get angry very often, at least very angry. And we didn't see him, you know, incredibly super happy. Uh, he, you know, he laughed at movies and such. And one thing I didn't see my dad do hardly ever that I, my mind can recall is see him cry. But in my memory bank, I remember like it was yesterday with a photographic memory, my dad picking me up outside in the back of the Bell Police Department, bloodied and beat up, and he took me right to the hall. He just started weeping over the condition of his son. You see, yes, our decisions hurt us. And yes, they hurt the people that love us. And the philosophy that has been spread that do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, it's not true. We literally need to learn to think of others more than ourselves. You see, if you've come to the conclusion today that you're not a perfect person, then that tells me through your mistakes you've hurt yourself. You're currently hurting yourself. And you're hurting people that love you. Oh, it may not be in the context of a Bible. They may not be able to put Bible words on it, but I'm helping them to do that now. There's only one remedy to that philosophy. The Bible says that the wages of sin, the wages of our mistakes, is always death. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's all around us. The death of relationships, the death of hope, the death of strength, the, the death of marriages. Uh, we're not just physical death, although physical death reminds us that sin is ever with us. But I've seen death in so many other areas that sin just destroys. You see, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the only remedy to where you are right now is this. You talk to God and you admit that you failed him. And receive the forgiveness. Yes, God the creator knowing all about you, more than any of us know, extends his forgiveness to you. And he puts it this way, Jesus says, Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. Maybe that's a word for you today. Act on it by coming to Jesus to receive his forgiveness. He'd love to do that for you. Glad you've joined us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you enjoyed the message, hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. You can search for that in the App Store or Google Play. Just look for Ed Taylor. Well, Pastor Ed, we have a forgiveness and reconciliation pamphlet we'd love to get into the hands of our listeners. What can you tell us about it, and how can our listeners get a copy? Yes, Larry, I mentioned this last time, but we have a pamphlet that's free. We have some resources on the topic of forgiveness, absolutely free. If you email me, believe me, it won't take me any time, a very little time, to respond to your email and send you a list of links where you can print out these important pamphlets and even have resources available where you can purchase a copy of my latest book, 
free from your past, which forgiveness is a big deal in that book. And by the way, the book is doing exceptionally well. It's setting people free all around the world. It's unbelievable uh, in English and in Spanish version. So just email me directly for the pamphlet, ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be .org, .org ed at edtaylor.org. To purchase a copy of the book, go to calvarystore.com, calvarystore.com. Again, just email Pastor Ed at pastored at calvaryco.church. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio and Internet every day, but we can't do it alone. We look to our Lord and our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you a copy of Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Let this classic be your guide for leadership and see how God works through you to do great things for His glory. Request a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. And then join us next time when we'll have another great study in the Word from Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.